What is up, Houdan Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. And of course, we are sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And right now they have a pretty sick deal, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But before we get to that, Saints Bengals preview. This is going to be an interesting one. I know a lot of people are talking about Joe Burrow and whatever. I don't really want to get into all that madness, but there are some key matchups to discuss. We'll talk about the latest Sean Payton rumors another really, really swamped injury report, and a lot more. We'll discuss that all here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Like I mentioned, guys, the Straight Up Saints podcast, as always, is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And right now, new customers can make any $5 bet on an NFL game and get $200 in free bets. In order to do that, you have to use code BOOT at DraftKings Sportsbook app now. That's code BOOT, and you get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Now, without further ado, I'm going to start things off by talking actually about the latest Sean Payton drama. And I know that Sean Payton's been kind of a hot topic in the Saints circle for a while, and understandably so. I mean, this is the guy who kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, built the Saints into what they were over the last decade. And I think we've all kind of come to an agreement that at some point we will see Sean Payton back in the NFL. And I think if you pay attention to how certain people word reports and and things like that, it doesn't seem like it's a matter of if it's a matter of when, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world for the Saints, because if it does happen within the next two years, of course, they will be compensated for Sean Payton getting moved to another team. Now, the question is, what is that compensation, right? Is it a couple of first round picks? Is it even one first round pick? Is it a bunch of mid to late round picks? What's kind of the package there? And I know that no one really has a straight answer on that because Part of it is you cannot really name what fair value is for Sean Payton because I think Sean Payton is that good that hypothetically, let's plug him in on the Chargers, right? Are they not a much better team today with Sean Payton than they would be with Coach Staley? I think that is without a doubt an easy no-brainer. On the other hand, if there's a team like, let's say the Panthers, which has been linked to Sean Payton, I'd say since the beginning of this year, that team is probably picking top five. Would they be willing to move a top five pick for Sean Payton? The answer is no. And while people might say, well, then you just don't trade Sean Payton and that's it. If Sean Payton wants to coach again, he's got a really good relationship with Mickey Loomis and the rest of that Saints ownership group and, and front office. And if he wants to coach again, they're going to trade him. And, and that's part of the problem. You don't have complete leverage at the end of the day. Now, you do have most of the leverage, but you don't have complete leverage because if you want to coach again, you're going to have to trade him. Now, what is he worth? Obviously, I think he's worth more than a first-round pick, but I don't know if that's what they'll get back, right? Maybe they get a first-round pick from a team like the Chargers that are in the middle teens to maybe 20s. Uh, Maybe if it's a team that's rebuilding, maybe it's a bunch of mid-round picks. But I thought there's three trades that are interesting. I think the first one, of course, is the John Gruden trade from 2002 that everyone talks about with the Bucs and the Raiders. That that one's so hard to quantify happening again because the Raiders ended up getting two first-round picks for John Gruden and two second-round picks. And they also offloaded that contract. So I think that one is, that's the gold standard, right? If the Saints got that, people would be freaking out. We'd be running laps and, and just celebrating that because that would be getting the, the ultimate value for Sean. The other trade is Herm Edwards from 2006. That was just a fourth round pick. Herm Edwards, not on the same scale as Gruden was back in 2002 or Sean Payton was at any point in Sean's career over the last decade, I would say. So that's, that one's a little different. And then the third one I bring up is Bruce Arians which was a sixth round pick from uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to Arizona for Arians and seventh. 
Now, Arians and Sean Payton, again, not on the same scale. I would argue that Sean Payton's the best coach out of the four that we just mentioned right now. But it's just interesting to see, right? 2019 was the last time we've seen a coach get traded. Arian's situation was a little bit different. Health concerns, things of that nature. And if Bruce wasn't a proven Super Bowl winner like Sean uh, or considered a guy who can just rebuild a franchise like Sean did. So those are just kind of deals that I look at. I think Sean would net way more than what Bruce Arians did and Herm Edwards. I don't know if we'll ever be the John Gruden trade. I just think it's so hard for that to really happen, especially in today's NFL. Teams are valuing picks, and if you're a bad team, you're not trading a top-five pick for a coach, and if you're a really good team, all right, maybe you are, but it depends. Why is that coach getting fired if you're a really good team? So those are the things you quantify. I expect Sean to be back next year. I I just, uh, you know, I'll admit it. Sometimes I watch the herd, even though I can't stand Colin Coward, because Sean's on, and when Sean Payton's on, I could tell that he wants to coach again. It's not easy. I mean, it's not hard to understand that. You know, even just think about the podcast that he did with Nick and Mike. You could tell he wants to coach again. So it's a matter of when he comes back. So I just find that stuff all interesting. You know, you see him talking with the players like Mark Ingram on the Kay Adams show that that she's got. He, he will be back soon. And it's just a matter of whether or not the Saints can kind of cash in and get the ultimate reward for him. And that'd be at least a first-round pick because this is a team that is lacking their first-round pick right now. Anyway, let me jump off the the Sean Payton stuff for now. We'll we'll worry about that when that comes because I'm sure it will be a very hot topic throughout the offseason. Let's talk about the injury report. And one of the main things from the injury report, and that is Jameis Winston returning, listed as a limited participant. Of course, Jameis has been dealing with the back injury, the ankle injury. Even I think someone mentioned a hip flexor for a little bit. Just an injury-riddled season so far for Jameis. Now, I I don't think this means he's going to play on Sunday against the Bengals. This is the first step in that recovery process to him getting back on the field. Because let's be real, at some point, I think he will be back on the field. But, you know, as always, whether it's with Jameis or Andy Dalton or even like Taysom Hill sometimes, Saints fans, a lot of them just can't stop themselves from talking about like quarterback controversies and who should start and whatever. And like, you almost feel inclined to give your opinion on it because everyone else is. And if you don't give your opinion on it, then it's like, oh, well, what's the agenda, this and that. I don't have an agenda on who starts for the Saints because I personally don't care who starts for the Saints. All I want for the Saints is for them to find the best formula that helps them win games. And I think regardless of who is starting, I think that best formula in some capacity is utilizing Taysom Hill the way we saw last week. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later on because I think Taysom Hill, which we saw against the Seahawks, is such a creative playmaker that you can use. And teams have to show that they could stop him. And once they do that, maybe you alter how you use him. But until then... You kind of milk that train until the brakes stop and and this thing doesn't work. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is something I've been saying for the last couple podcasts is you just play the healthier quarterback. If this Sunday Andy Dalton's the healthier quarterback, Andy Dalton should start. And in two weeks from now, if Jameis Winston's the healthier quarterback, Jameis Winston should start. Or is just as healthy. I say Jameis Winston should start because you thought he was the better quarterback of the two. You named him the starter. So that would mean you think he's better. Now, I say two weeks because the Saints play next Thursday. So if Jameis isn't ready to play Sunday, I, I just personally find it hard to believe that, you know, four days later, he's ready to go. Like, that, that is a quick turnaround. Now, maybe that's the case, right? Maybe he misses Sunday's game against the Bengals and starts against the Cardinals. I don't know. We'll find out over the next couple of days and over the next week. But I, I just find that interesting because you do have two games over the next seven days that are coming up. So that, that is something to monitor. But with Jameis, man, I, I said it last week like the Saints with Andy Dalton the offense looks different but I also think like this offense hasn't had an identity this whole season till maybe last Sunday against the Seahawks and maybe that identity is that they should be running the football 
all day long. And I'll talk about that later on when I go through my keys to victories and whatnot um, against the Bengals. If that's the case, I think, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, if you're a run-centric offense, then you're just going to tell the quarterback who's starting, minimize the damage. And I think either one, you know, we've seen Jameis last year could do that. And Andy Dalton, obviously, so far, uh, has had one fumble and one pick through two games. But for the most part, is game managing, which I think is something that the Saints really need right now, a quarterback. And as, as they get their weapons more and more, I think that will help for sure. Um, and as always, guys, if you are listening uh, via YouTube, I know Pelicans are on right now, so I'm not really expecting uh, the largest of turnouts on the live uh, live stream. But if you guys are listening, you guys want to drop comments because I see two of you guys have already put in. Uh, I'll definitely pull them up in just a little bit. And then we'll just kind of uh, address whatever you guys are thinking and, and we'll go from there. But yeah, so again, no agenda for me. Just play the healthier quarterback and and find the best form that helps you win the game. So if winning the game and getting more wins is using Taysom with Jameis as a starter, cool. And if it's not, and it's using Taysom with Andy Dalton as a starter, also cool. Just find a way to win games. Now, I still think the best formula is running the football with play action, and that play action would be better utilized with Jameis Winston because that's where he thrives, and he also has the arm strength. But I also don't want the Saints to say, okay, he's back at practice, let's rush him back in. And then you're just redoing this whole process because that's what got you in this mess in the first place. So that's something to monitor. Now, Jameis Winston, not the only big name on the injury report. Uh, he's probably the one big name where they're trending up, right? Because most of this injury report is pretty disappointing, right? Uh, Jarvis Landry did not participate. Michael Thomas still did not participate. Marshawn Lattimore did not participate. And I'll just say from now, I don't think Lattimore's playing on Sunday. I hope I'm wrong. But I, from everything that, you know, the, the, the clues that have been dropped, knowing what type of injury it is, I, and knowing you play next week again against Arizona on Thursday night, I would be surprised if Marshawn Lattimore plays Sunday against the Bengals. And boy, would that be a huge blow because Jamar Chase is on the other side. Now, it is possible the Bengals missed T. Higgins. He didn't participate today. And that would really actually help. And, and I'm not someone who wants T. Higgins to miss the game. I've, I've interviewed T. Higgins before. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, and I think he's a really underrated wide receiver. I don't think he gets enough credit. But if T. Higgins does miss that game, then it, it changes things a little bit because now it's not worrying about Higgins and Jamar Chase. It's worrying about Jamar Chase, which is still a huge concern. And, of course, Tyler Boyd, who's been so damaging in the slot. Um, but, again, continuing with the Saints report, Peyton Turner did not participate. Calvin Throckmorton didn't participate. And Chris Olave. Now, Olave is trending upward in terms of the concussion protocol. But the concussion protocol is also a little bit more strict than it was two weeks ago. Obviously, the Tua thing really changed things for players. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. But I kind of feel like it's there's a good chance Olave plays. I have no idea whether or not we see Michael Thomas. This is not a knock on Michael Thomas. You guys know that I'm a big fan of his. And I think when Michael Thomas is healthy, as we saw in week two, week two, week three, uh, week one, week two, and week three, excuse me, he is still a damn good receiver when he's healthy. But there's never like definitive updates on him. I know he's dealing with turf toe. And I know that this is an injury that can linger. But it always feels like with other players, you get updates. And with Michael Thomas, there's like so much unknown that it's just a guessing game. So when Adam Schefter says on Sunday that he probably will play against the Bengals and then it's Wednesday and you don't hear a peep out of that camp, it's a little odd for me. So I hope that things get sorted out on that front, but I can't make a prediction as to whether or not he plays because I got no clue on the Michael Thomas front. But I feel good about Olave, and I think that we're going to not see Lattimore on the field on Sunday, which would be really, really tough. Uh, but again, if T. Higgins misses out for the Bengals, that somewhat changes the scales a little bit. And it's also worth noting that you got Jonah Williams, uh, you know, starting tackle of the Bengals, who is hurt right now. So, I mean, both teams on the offensive side of the football are not healthy. Bengals, obviously, a little bit more healthy because the Saints are just going through a bunch of injuries. 
But the Saints could also have positive news, right? Marcus May being one of them. Marcus May has not played in a long time. And by a long time, um, you know, maybe I'm exaggerating per se, but we have not seen him since that Tampa game. And Marcus May is absent has been such a huge factor, you know, because I see in the chat and I'll pull it up in a little bit. And, and people talk about Paulson Adebo and this secondary struggling. This secondary has struggled the last couple games. Not having Marcus May is really hurt because you're asking safeties who aren't starting safeties in today's NFL to do that position well. And, and we're seeing it, right? JT Gray is struggling. Justin Evans, great in the preseason, struggling. Daniel Sorensen hasn't really had his chance, but let's be real. I don't know a Saints fan out there right now that is, you know, clamoring for, for Daniel Sorensen to start. And P.J. Williams on IR. So this DB room was supposed to be the strength of this team. Injuries have derailed it. And the guys who are supposed to step up, Adebo, Tyron Matthew, haven't really played up to their standards. So that concerns me. But Marcus May, before he got hurt, I thought he was playing some good football, attacking football. And if he does return, that would be a plus for the Saints. And another plus for the Saints would be the fact that you're no longer, at least as of today, worrying about Alvin Kamara's rib injury, which I think is great news, right? Because Alvin Kamara just got a shit ton of touches this past weekend. And for him not to pop up on the injury report means he's trending in the right direction. So I'm going to say thumbs up on that because Alvin Kamara is going to be used early and often in this upcoming game against the Bengals. And they're going to need to ride him for most of this game if they don't have their wide receivers. So we'll see what happens from there, guys. But that's kind of the latest on the injury front. Um, now, there also is a signing that took place, Jordan Howard going to the team. I saw some people were excited about that. I don't want to rain on their parade, so I'm not going to. I just don't know if Jordan Howard actually has enough gas left in the tank. Uh, this is a player who obviously started off his career extremely well with the Chicago Bears, but I don't know, man. I, I'm, I still have to see it. Uh, he was fine with Philly last year, so I don't, I don't want to knock him completely. But I'm curious to see what he can do. Now, he is more of a hard-nosed, kind of a tough runner between the tackles, your standard bruiser back. And maybe that's what the Saints want. And maybe he can kind of push Mark Ingram. And I think Mark Ingram could use that push right now because I know Ingram's an elite pass blocker. And obviously, his leadership skills are valued. But the Saints can get a little bit more pop in the run game to complement Kamara and Taysom Hill. That would be huge. So we'll see what happens there with Jordan Howard. I I'm not expecting anything you know, this weekend, really. This is him coming in and getting acclimated with the team and you usually need a week, but you know, Latavius Murray, they picked him up off the street and he balled out against the Vikings. So who knows, maybe Jordan Howard will come in and, and do his work, but we'll see what happens. I'm not like overly thrilled about the news because again, this is really a depth piece, but the saints needed another running back in there with Tony Jones jr. Getting claimed and Latavius going to the Broncos and who knows, man, maybe Jordan Howard will lead on to bigger and better things because it seems like the practice squad uh, is a hot commodity in new Orleans. So We'll kind of see what happens there. Now, without further ado, let's get into the keys to victory matchups that I'm going to watch in this game. Ultimately, what I think will dictate if the Saints win or not. And then, as always, I'll get to the comments that you guys drop. So if you guys have more comments you want to drop in, of course, um, I'll make sure to pull some of them up and we'll get to chatting about it. But the first thing that stands out to me is saints Bengals is the revenge game of all revenge games. And you could pick who you want to say revenge game. You could say it's Trey Hendrickson's revenge game. You say it's Von Bell's revenge game. You want, you can say that it is a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, LSU homecoming. You can say that it is a big time revenge game for Eli Apple, who decided to shit on his city on the way out, which made no sense because they treated him with nothing but love and he did not return the favor. And I know that Saints fans will boo the hell out of him on Sunday. So that, that'll be interesting to see. And I know people probably want to lobby or Michael Thomas and, and both of them really to be in there so they can go up against Eli Apple. I know that's something that Saints fans are, are desperately hoping for. And 
Not going to lie, I would like to see that too as well. So you can add that storyline in. And then there's one that, you know, everyone talks about the former Saints playing the, uh, you know, the former Saints playing against each other. How about, you know, Andy Dalton going up against a team that drafted him? I mean, this is just as much of a revenge game for Andy Dalton as I would say it is for any of the former Saints who are now on the Bengals. So that's another storyline to add in all of this. There are a lot of hypothetical revenge games and homecomings for this one, which makes it all the more interesting. I mean, you have Von Bell, who already has three interceptions this season. He's balling out. Trey Hendrickson has shown that his final season with the Saints wasn't a fluke. Eli Apple continues to show that he is a loud mouth and will trash anyone and anybody despite not being able to back it up on the field. And then you have Andy Dalton, who Bengals fans loved him. He loved the Bengals. That one's really respectful. But he's actually played Cincinnati, I think, the last three seasons ever since he left them. So that's kind of interesting. He's going to keep that streak going. So we'll, we'll see how all these things kind of flow about. But the actual matchups that I'm looking at and things that need to get done, if the Saints are going to get to 3-3 three and three and climb back to 500, I think the first one's a no-brainer one. Get pressure on Joe Burrow. I think that's something that every Saints fan will say this week. And it is it's obviously the thing that you're going to go into valuing, right? Cam Jordan has really stepped up the last three weeks, three and a half sacks over the last three games. Marcus Davenport has made some impact plays, but you know you want to see a little bit more from him. I thought he was dominant against the Vikings. I, I wouldn't say that he was dominant against the Seahawks. I, didn't, I wouldn't say he was bad by any means, but I wouldn't say he was dominant. This is a week he needs to be dominant, though, especially if we're looking at this one uh, with the Bengals missing Jonah Williams. So if Jonah Williams isn't out there, more the reason for Marcus Davenport to have that explosive game. And with Burrow, he's going to beat you someplace, right? Whether it's off script, whether it's on script, from the pocket, outside of the pocket, you accept that. When you play a great quarterback, you're going to accept that you're going to get beat sometimes. But Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense, due to, let's say, pressure they've been facing, have had moments where they've stalled. Whether it's the Cowboys game, whether it's the Ravens game, uh, whether it is the Steelers game earlier in the year, they've had those moments. So if you're the Saints, it's pretty simple, man. You get pressure on Joe Burrow. You stall a couple of drives. You maybe force a turnover here and there. That's your chance if you want to really win this game. Now, the second thing that you really need in this game is something that I see some of you guys have talked about in the chat. And we'll definitely address a little more in depth if we want to. Paulson Adebo needs to step up. I say that because part of me doesn't think Marshawn Lattimore is going to play this week. And the other part of me is just saying it as someone who was very high on Adebo coming into the season. I bought into the hype. And more importantly, forget about the training camp. I, I thought Paulson Adebo looked so good last year in terms of when Adebo played bad as a rookie, he bounced back the next week. And I thought that's something that really stands out to a cornerback because you have to have short-term memory as a cornerback in today's NFL. But he has not played well in his first two real games. The Panthers game was really just a couple of snaps here and there, get him acclimated. The Vikings and the Seahawks games were his real tests. And so far, he's failed both of them especially the Seahawks game. That was a really, really bad game for Paulson Adebo. And you go back and look at it, no matter how you slice it, not a good performance for a guy who was considered the training camp MVP. Well, another week under his belt, another week of getting used to kind of getting his ankle right. He's got to step up. He's got to step up because there are going to be moments where he's faced against Jamar Chase and he struggled against DK Metcalf and he struggled against Tyler Lockett. And if he struggles against Jamar Chase on Sunday... The Bengals will have those quick strikes and those touchdowns that make you go, oh boy, here we go. I don't know if the Saints have it in them to deal with another shootout. They did last week against a bad Seahawks defense. We'll see how it is against a Bengals defense that's better than Seattle's. So I'm fascinated in that regard. I think Paulson Adebo is a huge factor in this game, for better or worse. So either he's going to have that game that we're like, that is why he got the preseason hype, 
or we're going to come in on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, any time of the week next week, and say, let's have a conversation about Paulson Adebo's start to the season because it's not good. So that's going to be a factor for me. Another factor in this one, something that I said earlier, and I'll probably say for the rest of the year because I really think this is where the Saints, if they're going to get on the right track, this is how they do it. Stay true to the run with Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. And yes, still sprinkle in Mark Ingram occasionally if he can get things going. But if you see he can't get anything going, you don't run him nine times for 16 yards because that's just stupid. But if you see him get things going, you got to go to him. Just a little bit to throw it off. Stay true to this run game. We saw it last week with Taysom and Kamara, how dominant they were. Now, I said that was against the 29th run defense in the league, so things will be a little bit tougher. But I watched that Bengals-Ravens game, and I think there are moments where you can get this Bengals defense a little worn out, and you saw it with the Ravens. Now, they ran with multiple people, right? Lamar, Dobbins, even DuVernay got a couple of carries as well. And the total is a good number, 155 yards on the ground. That is an ideal number for the Saints going into this weekend. If they can match that, that'd be excellent. And if you can exceed that, even better. Now, maybe 155 is is ambitious, but that's what you should strive for. And I think for the Saints, you're not going to, no matter if, let's say, all your receivers are magically healthy by Sunday, in a shootout with a Bengals team, go you know score for score via the pass. I just don't think that's what you're going to do because that's not who you are. But when I watch these jumbo sets and I see these QB power runs and then I see you complimented with Alvin Kamara plays where he is really just finding the hole and exploiting it, this could be the Saints' MO. And, and I think for the Saints, the big thing is, right, we know they're a defensive team. Now the defense is struggling because they're banged up right now. But what are they offensively? Well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is a ground and pound team. So I'd like to see them go back to that again this week. And if it works, keep riding that train. Because you know what? Maybe being a defensive team with a ground and pound, control the ball, run out the clock style offense, that might actually be your your key to to success and and your path to getting back to 500 and then figuring out how good can we be this year. So I want to see them stick to the run. I think they can. And now the fourth thing, and this is a little bit like under the radar-esque, not something that people might circle on their, you know, I'm not going to say circle on their chart when when they're listing the keys to victory, but in a name with a lot of high-profile players and and storylines and whatever, you're probably not going, oh, this needs to happen. But I actually think it does. The Saints need a spark on special teams. Every phase matters. Special teams does matter. And we've seen it this year, right? Saints special teams has struggled a lot. Deontay Hardy's injured. Rashid Shaheed, the rookie, is supposed to play this weekend. And this is a guy who I think can give the Saints the spark that they're looking for. Now, I tweeted back in the summer that I think Rashid Shaheed will be the Saints kick returner in 2023. I think he's the future at kick returner. Well, the future is now. We're going to get to see how he does. And we're talking about a guy who ended his college career as the FCS all-time leader in kickoff return touchdowns with seven of them. He is electric. And I remember when Deontay Hardy came in, we immediately fell in love with him because you saw those electric plays and you saw how important it is for them to flip the field and get those bursts in, in special teams. So I think for the Saints, right, you want to keep up with the Bengals. You want to be able to pull off this upset win because the Saints will be underdogs going into this game and get back to 500 and really finally build some momentum. A Rashid Shahid return doesn't have to be a touchdown, just a moment where you're flipping field position and you're winning that phase of the game. That would be huge. So I'm looking at Rashid Shahid, what he does in his debut. How does he perform? I'm excited to see what this king can do. If he gets the opportunity to return, whether it's a punt, a kickoff, whatever, I want to see how that goes down. So that's another thing that I'm looking at. But I think this game's going to tell us a lot about the Saints. A win here and you're three and three, and all of a sudden, you can look at the schedule and be like, okay, I could see them building some momentum. 
a loss here, then you're back in that hole of, I got to climb out. And I got to get to that Thursday night game. And I got to win that Thursday night game. And if I don't win that one, then everything unravels. So it gets tough. But a win here really does change the feel. And, and I still think the Saints team's lacking a little bit of that energy. You know, I, I think that's a little bit of a problem. But the, the, the vibes will be high for this game. I mean, this is a game that people have had circled on their calendars since the spring. And rightfully so. So I'm very interested to see how this happens. And if the Saints are to win this one and do get to 3-3, three and three, then me, who I've been honestly kind of negative about a lot of things with the Saints, and I feel like most of it's warranted. And, and if it's not, then I do apologize for that sense. I think that this is where I could say, okay, these are things they can build on. And I hope that is the case. Now, without further ado, let's see what you guys have in terms of comments. Uh, and as always, this portion of the Straight Up Saints podcast is presented by Neutral Vodka Seltzer, the official seltzer of the Straight Up Saints podcast and Boot Crew Media. First thing here that Joseph puts in, he says the injuries to this secondary plus the production that the secondary has already shown is very concerning going into game with T and Chase. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, I mentioned the T Higgins thing earlier today. Uh, if T Higgins doesn't play, that would be huge in terms of, okay, that's one less problem that the Saints will have. Now, if he does play and let's say Lattimore misses it, all right, now, now you're really going down that hole of, man, okay, I, I, I don't know how you're going to stop this offense. But we'll see what happens with T. Higgins, and we'll see if Adebo can step up. And, and as I said before, uh, that's going to be an important thing. Now, uh, before I get to the next comment, just something here I'm seeing for me in Rappaport. He says, former Rams running back Jake Funk, who cleared waivers today, is signing with the Saints practice squad. He had several offers, chose this opportunity. So I'm sure this gives me a chance to make like a who's got the funk, we got that funk um, kind of reference. I'm not going to do it, even though I kind of did just now. But just throw that out there for anyone listening. Jake Funk, he's going to the Saints practice squad. Next comment, considering the injury report makes me question who should be fired from the medical staff and who should be traded for more picks. Look, I'm, you know, I, I talked about this earlier today, right? Because it's kind of frustrating that the Saints are again in this position. But I, I don't know how much I can blame the medical staff for some things. Concussion, I'm not blaming the medical staff. Uh, back injury, I'm not going to blame the medical staff in terms of how it happened. You can blame the medical staff and the coaching staff in terms of like who's allowed to play with said injury and how the recovery process is going. I think you can do that. But some of the injuries Saints have had, you know, you can't control, you can't control turf toe. You know, you want to argue over how they manage, you know, manage the whole Jameis thing. Let's go with it. But other than that, I, I don't want to blame them yet because I, I, they're injuries that are like, they're not like those stupid injuries that happen that you're like, man, that was controllable. These are, these are weird injuries that the Saints are getting right now. I'm not trying to give them a cop-out, right? Because, again, they're hurt. Again, every year now, it's been that case. But I also am trying to be fair. Like, it is football. Every team around the league right now is getting banged up. Joseph says, I feel like MT and Kamara benefit more from Dalton playing, whereas Olave benefits best from Jameis playing. I'm going to be honest. I think Olave benefits from either one. But, yes, I do agree. Jameis's arm allows you to get those explosive plays from Olave. Uh, whereas you don't really get that with Andy Dalton. I do think, though, that Olave has kind of shown early in his career that he's kind of quarterback-proof. Like, he's going to get his own. And uh, let's be real, his worst performance so far is last week's. And he still finished last week's game with four catches for 54 yards and touchdown, and he got knocked out in it. So this kid is special, and I really am excited to see what he can do. And if they can improve at quarterback at some point in the coming years, imagine what he can do with that. Sounds like Olave might have a shot at playing. I need to see him up against Eli Apple. 
Yeah, I think, again, like I said before, that's something that a lot of you guys are going to want, and I don't blame you. I think that, you know, first off, it's a Ohio State factor. Second, it's a, can we see Eli Apple get burnt? That's what people want to see. That could happen if he goes up against Olave. We're going to have to monitor it. I'll, I'll pull up what Nick said in terms of the whole process of concussion protocol because it was very interesting. But where is it? Let me just get that going so I don't misread it. He said, Chris Olave is in the third stage of the concussion protocol and hasn't experienced any additional symptoms. The third stage is football-specific exercise. Non-contact training drills and full activity are next if he has no further symptoms. So that's good. Good news. He just has to improve. So nice, friendly hoot out there from Eddie. Steven says that Debo's knee is a concern. It absolutely is in terms of, um, I mean, his ankle is a concern in terms of what he's doing. I, I don't know why right now we're, we're seeing such a bad version of it. No, no, you're right now, Steven, my bad. The, the, the injury report now says knee, not ankle. So that, that is my fault. Um, but yeah, the Adebo situation is concerning. I'd imagine he heard it during the Sunday game. I, I, I don't. I don't know if it's going to hold him out. I kind of still feel like he's going to play. But yeah, if they went into this game with no Adebo, no Lattimore, no Alante Taylor, I physically don't know how the Saints will win this game. I don't know how that's possible. So you need Adebo out there, one, and you need Adebo to play well. So we'll see what happens. Dalton versus the Bengals. Yeah, man, it's it's one of those kind of storylines that we're going to talk about. Joseph says we need to eliminate the big-time plays from last week's game. There were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. The DK Metcalf touchdown. Tyler Lockett touchdowns that happen. A lot of big plays. The Kenneth Walker touchdown was a big play in the run game. Saints defense got gashed, and they got gashed pretty well. So I'd like to see them bounce back. Do they have the facilities to do that, though? And by that, I mean, do they have the playmakers? And the injury concerns kind of make me think no, but we'll see what happens. Joseph also adds, random thought, but I have a weird feeling we see Kamara throw a pass out of the Wildcat, but then again, I don't know if Pete is that creative. I mean, I'd like to see it. I think you got to spice it up, whether it's with him or Taysom Hill. And in this game, this might be one where they got to pull out all the stops to win. This could be it. And and if it does, Joseph, I want you to come back on the pod next week and just just celebrate that victory that you just called that. If that happens, I would love to see it happen. So we'll see. Connor says we really need to win this game and build some momentum, especially with the, this bad NFC. Yeah, right. Like, look, three and three versus two and four is. The, it's a world of difference. I mean, three and three. Now you're like, okay, can you get to nine and eight, ten and seven, and still a wild card spot? Two and four, you're like, okay, we're one more loss away from saying this season's over. That's where things change, and things can change in a hurry because you have two games in the next seven, uh, eight days. So we could be talking about who knows the four and three Saints by next Thursday night, which would be amazing, or we could be talking about the two and gotta do the math here real quick, two and five Saints. And if that's the case. I'm not going to be very excited. Neither do you guys. Are Jordan Howard and Jake Funk, uh, Funk good running backs enough to fill the room? I don't know. You know, I know Jake Funk's popular for dating some girl from Bachelor. That's all, I, that's all I really know on the guy. No disrespect to him. And I know he's from Maryland. But other than that, I, he hasn't really done anything at the pro level for me to justify saying he is good enough to fill the room. Now, maybe he will figure it out in New Orleans. And if so, good for him. But as for Jordan Howard, I think Jordan Howard's a serviceable back who... He's in the waning years of his career, but you know, can he still come in and provide some value? Possibly, but I would probably have more confidence in Jordan Howard right now than Jake Funk because a, it's the known com- uh, commodity, and b, I-, I think you know Jordan still proved last year that hey, maybe for a game or two, he still has you know a good performance left in him. Steven says, "What are your thoughts on Sean to the Panthers?" Yeah, look, if Sean goes to the Panthers, that's going to be the trade that is huge, right? That's the one where 
the picks would really be high, and you're talking about probably a really good return. Because A, it's in the division. B, you know Carolina's desperate. And I, I think for, for that one, and for the Saints, I'm not trading you to the Panthers unless I get something crazy in return. And, and Carolina needs to know that, right? If you're going to get the coach that has beaten you many times, got to pay up. Now, I don't think he wants to go to Carolina because I think Sean wants to go somewhere where there's a ready-made quarterback situation. I, I think if the Saints had a ready-made quarterback situation post-Drew Brees, Sean Payton wouldn't have left. Now, that's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he really just wanted to leave New Orleans. But had the Saints had a heir apparent to Drew Brees, do you think Sean Payton would have left? Because I personally don't think so. So I don't think Sean would go to Carolina where their quarterback situation's a mess. A mess. That's why when I think of Sean going somewhere, I, I just keep mentioning a team like the Chargers or a team like, let's say, the Broncos, who, yeah, Russell Wilson's been terrible this year, but if they fire Nathaniel Hackett and you put Sean Payton in an offense that has Russell Wilson, Javante Williams if he's healthy, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick if he's healthy, all of a sudden that, that looks a little bit better. So I kind of feel like those are the type of teams that I think Sean makes more sense for. But if he went to the Panthers, it would be very interesting, very fast. Um, but anyway, guys, before I wrap up, actually, I do want to mention, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, if you guys can give me some feedback on this, whether it's now, if you're listening on YouTube, or if you're listening via audio, hit me up on Twitter, just, you know, tweet at me. Uh, or if I follow you, just DM me. I'm very interested if I did, so I know I do recap shows right after the game happens, right? So let's say the Saints game finishes. Within 20 to 30 minutes later, you guys know that I'm going to do a podcast after. How would you guys feel about another podcast live stream the Monday after Saints games? Time to be determined, probably more so earlier in, in the day or in the afternoon, where you guys just dictate everything we talk about. Like you guys put in your comments and we will run it from there. Like you guys put in a certain topic that happened from the game or a certain play or a certain moment or something that you, that a takeaway that you had from that game and you guys kind of dictate where the pod goes. And it wouldn't take away from the Sunday recap and it wouldn't take away from the Wednesday or Thursday preview. It would just be in addition to what's going on. And if you guys would like that and kind of be able to dictate that, let me know. And that's something, because I've been thinking about it for the last couple of weeks because Mondays are looking a little, a little flexible and I just feel like it'd be cool for you guys to kind of get a podcast literally just dedicated to whatever topics you guys want to talk about, about a game that just finished. So obviously let me know over the next couple of weeks or, or even maybe hopefully days, how you guys feel about that. Uh, and if so, we'll kind of add it to the schedule because I think that would be fun, but uh, I definitely don't want to do something that isn't something that you guys would be interested in. Now I'll get back to a couple more comments uh, and then you, and then we'll probably just wrap it up. I know the Pelicans are playing right now and it is a Wednesday night. But let's see. What are your thoughts on Schefter's tweet on Michael Thomas being expected to play on Sunday? Yeah, look, at first I was excited. And now I think that it's something where, look, I, I don't know. I, I think Thursday and Friday's practice reports are going to tell everything. I, I try not to panic about Wednesday injury reports because they're, they're so misleading half the time. But I think that, you know, if he doesn't practice tomorrow or isn't even spotted at practice tomorrow, which is what concerns me, then I think he's not going to play. But if he has so much as just spotted at practice tomorrow, then I think the door's open. So that, that's kind of how I feel about that. Lou says, I feel like that non-pass interference call is one of the many reasons why he left. That took a lot out of Sean, and rightfully so. I still feel pain from that. It is possible, right? Like, the drainage of you lose in a tough way in 2017, and then 2018's even worse. And then 2019, it's still not easy. And then 2020's not easy either. And then 2021, you go through all this just, you know, unfortunate, I don't want to say 
you go through these like unfortunate circumstances with the quarterback situation, but the injuries were crazy, right? Jameis got hurt. Taysom got hurt. Michael Thomas didn't play. Alvin got hurt for a little bit. Armstead got hurt. Ramchick got hurt. McCoy got hurt. Pete got hurt. Everyone got hurt. There was a game where coaches missed. There was a game that he missed because of COVID. Uh, Ian Book had to start a game. So, yeah, that all played a factor. I, I totally agree. Um, but I do wonder, though, I still always wonder, if they had a quarterback ready-made, w- would that have changed his mind a little bit? Eddie asks, is it too early to dra- uh, for draft talk? I think it is just a little bit. And, and I will be honest with you, Eddie, and I fully mean this. If the Saints had their first-round pick, I think I would be more susceptible to talking about the draft already. But because the Saints don't have their first-round pick, I'm not really excited much uh, in terms of let's dive into who they can get in the first round because they don't have their first-round pick. But I know at some point, if this thing doesn't get on the right track, I will fall to it just because I love talking about the draft. But for now, I'm not going to, and I'm going to leave it at that. But we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens. Justin says, I think Saints can blitz this game. They have to take advantage of the Bengals' O-line. Well, again, if you can do that without blitzing, that would be key because the DBs are limited, man. I mean, Marcus May might play, but we don't know. Marshawn Latimer, I personally don't think he's going to play. Adebo is limited. You don't have P.J. Williams. You don't have Elante Taylor. So I don't know if blitzing is the right idea. If you can hit with your four, I think you just got to leave it at that because you're going to need those guys in the back end to cover the Jamar Chases of the world. The T. Higgins of the world, if he plays, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, who has really coming on strong the last couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe they, some blitzes, yeah. I'm not saying don't blitz. It's not like you're facing Tom Brady. You're facing Joe Burrow. It's a little bit different. But I do think that the, if you can hit with your four and Cam follows up last week's game with another great game and Marcus Davenport can do what he did against Minnesota, then I think you could create some pressure without even needing to really, uh, I don't want to say scheme it up, but that's probably the best way of saying it. I'm reading some comments for you guys saying about Monday pod and whether it be sweet. And and yeah, look, that's kind of why I I really do like the idea of doing an extra one on Monday is a more saints content. Cause I don't know about you guys, but I think this year more than ever, the saints are not being talked about on national media at all. I get it right. There's nothing like juicy coming out of this team at the moment, but you know, I searched up cause I like to listen to other people's opinions just as much as, you know, you guys might listen to other people's opinions because I just like to hear what people have to say about stuff. And after Taysom played well against the Seahawks, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go listen to what the national media had to say about Taysom. And I'm sitting there and there's no videos coming up. And I'm like, man, like no one covers this team anymore nationally because they probably don't find anything interesting about them right now. And I just feel like A, it would give us more to talk about and B, kind of to Steven's point, you know, there's less, I don't want to say like less emotion because there always will be emotions talking about the Saints, but less reactions in terms of, responding immediately to what happened and being all up in your feelings. I think that's important. But more importantly, I like the idea of you guys kind of dictating what we do. Like, I'm sure I'll come in with preset topics in my mind, but I would like to see kind of how you guys, where you guys want to take the idea in the show. Connor says, a lot of people had us winning this year and we suck. Yeah, look, that's part of it, right? You know, there are a lot of people that said Saints are a sleeper team. Some people said run the NFC South and you had Bart Scott saying Super Bowl, which is fucking ridiculous, but Bart Scott for you. And they haven't really lived up to it. So that that is part of it. Eddie asked Olave out this week. No, not at the moment. Could he be out? Maybe. Seems like he's trending up, though. But tomorrow will be a big factor. If he continues, if tomorrow he takes that next step, I would be surprised if he misses Sunday's game. But we have to see him take that next step tomorrow. Um, but, I, you know, as pessimistic as I feel right now about a uh, Lattimore situation, I'm cautiously optimistic about Olave's. But we'll kind of see what happens there. Now, we're going to end it on that note. It is a Wednesday night. I know you guys have other stuff to do for sure. And uh, I will answer that really quick. 
to because this is a really good question from Joseph here. Are the comments on Twitter live streams forever broken? So full disclosure, uh, me as well as other people from Booker Media had so many discussions with StreamYard about, you know, why don't the Twitter comments come up? And they were like, man, that's a Twitter thing and, and it doesn't work anymore. And we tried like seven times asking and we never got a response, a clear response. It was always like a dancing around the question. And, and that's really unfortunate because I loved the Twitter responses. And, and that's why I don't put these videos up on Twitter as much anymore because I hate the idea of someone goes on the video, leaves a comment, and then they think like, hey, why isn't Chris answering my question? You might have a great question. I just can't see it. It doesn't come up on my end. So that that is the really unfortunate thing. I really hope that someday they fix it because I used to love just randomly going live on Twitter and just answering questions, but I can't do that anymore. And that's really upsetting to me. I, I, I'm not kidding. Like I, I was devastated when I found out about that and slowly, but surely I'm trying to get more people to kind of gravitate over to YouTube. And obviously I'm so glad for everyone who comes in and comments on a weekly basis. It really does make this a lot easier for me. And it's just fun chatting with you guys and kind of getting a pulse of, of what's going on with Saints fans. But yeah, Twitter live streams have been broken for a while and I kind of think that they will be broken for a little bit longer. And I, I said it would be the last thing, but I'll, I'll just finish with this. Crazy thing is the upcoming schedule isn't as daunting as we thought. Yeah, right? That, that's the thing, Steven. Games against the Raiders, games against the Steelers, games against the Rams, those looked harder coming into this year. Games against the Cardinals looked harder coming into this year than they do right now. So we'll see what happens. But in order to kind of get to those games and have positive vibes, Saints got to get back to 500. And there's no better way of getting back to 500 than beating the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend in the Superdome. We'll see if they can do that. It's going to be a tough one. I kind of am leaning Bengals right now in terms of my gut prediction, but we'll see if the Saints can control the clock and, and get enough contributors back on the field. They have a shot, but we'll see what happens on Sunday between the Saints and the Bengals. That's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.